you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. Thanks for coming by the show, folks. We really appreciate it. And as always, we're bringing the most amazing guests, the authors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the, uh, let's see, the U.S. The US ambassadors, the, the uh, CEOs, the billionaires. It's Tuesday. My brain won't work for me, but you know the drift. Anyway, guys, we have another amazing gentleman on the show, a prolific author. He's uh, got a number of New York Times bestsellers we'll be talking about for his novels today. And I'm sure you've heard of him. Brad Taylor will be joining us on the show to talk to us about book 18 of 18 of his Pike Logan series. In the meantime, all we ask for you is the simple thing to refer the show to your family, rel- family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Chris Foss 1, the TikTokity, and ChrisFossFacebook.com. He's the author of the latest book that's coming out January 23rd, 2024. It's called Dead Man's Hand, a Pike Logan novel by brad taylor and he'll be joining us on the show he was born in okinawa japan but uh, brad grew up on 40 acres in rural texas he graduated from the university of texas he was commissioned a second lieutenant in the u.s army infantry he served more than 21 years retiring as a special forces lieutenant colonel during that time he held numerous infantry and special forces position including eight years in the first special forces Operational Detachment, Delta, where he commanded multiple troops on a squadron. He conducted operations in support of U.S. national interests in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other classified locations. Welcome to the show, Brad. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I, I seem to be stumbling my words today, so uh, maybe I need more <laughs> coffee. But it's wonderful to have you on the show. Congratulations on the new book. Give people .coms wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, they can find me at my website, bradtaylorbooks.com. And then all social media is actually Brad Taylor Books. Brad Taylor Books on Instagram, Brad Taylor Books Facebook, Brad Taylor Books Twitter. There you go. There you go. So anybody else who has the name Brad Taylor, it just sucks to be them on Google search, <laughs> basically. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of this new book in the entry of the Pike Logan series. Yeah. So I, I usually I don't write about current events because the problem with writing about current events is they're current. And <laughs> something could take a left or right hand turn before your book comes out and then you're dead in the water. I was studying the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine just because I keep up on that type of stuff. I still do some security consulting and I ran across a story back from the old Cold War days of the uh, what's called a perimeter system, which mm-hmm. in the West and the NATO called it the dead hand. Uh, Reagan came up with SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative, the old Star Wars thing, which theoretically could knock out every missile that came over. It never reached anywhere near that capability, but that's what the Soviet Union thought. And so they were scared to death because mutually assured destruction no longer mattered. If we could knock all their missiles out, there would nothing have stopped us from doing a first strike. Yeah. So they invented back then, which is the prehistoric version of artificial intelligence, they invented the perimeter system, hmm. which was this system that would take all these inputs, seismic activity, communications between commands, all these things would come together. And if they all fit the right system, the perimeter system would initiate. And then any second lieutenant in Russia could launch every missile 
that remained to the United States, which is why it was called the dead hand. So basically Russia was wow. saying, if you, if you wipe us out, the missiles are still coming. There's a dead hand on the switch. The, and that thing still exists. And so oh, I read really? that and I thought, that's kind of interesting. I served during the Cold War and I was like, I, I never heard of this, but it's pretty neat. And that yeah. was enough to spark my interest for a story. That's definitely wild. I mean, I, you and I probably grew up under the table of our, edu- our, our elementary school classes, we, you know, to cower from the bombs in case that nuclear bomb went off from the Russians. The USSR, they called it back in those days. Yeah. Um, and, and so hence probably the title of the book, Dead Man's Hand then? Yeah, basically, I, to fictionalize it, I just changed it. The perimeter system, which is real, it's mm-hmm. designed if there's an actual nuclear first strike on Russia. Mm. I changed it to mean that Putin says, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm altering this thing. I'm going to call it the dead man's hand. And if I get killed, the missiles are flying. Wow. And that's his deterrent. So you can't kill me. So now the plot is that there's a bunch of Russian partisans that, I'm um, sorry, Ukrainian partisans that are, they say this stalemate's going on forever. The only way to end this war is kill Putin. Mm-hmm. And my character, Pike Logan's now in a dilemma. You know, he wants to help the partisans out. But if he does that, he's going to engender nuclear Armageddon. Wow. Now, you know, I'm familiar with the perimeter. <laughs> Jesus, what am I on today? I'm familiar with the perimeter system. I've been for years. Women use it. It's called the friend zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, Brad, tell us about this character. You've written 18 books about him, the Pike Logan character. Tell us who this gentleman is. Yeah, he's kind of an amalgamation of guys that I served with. People always ask me, you know, you're Pike Logan. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> so I mean, the, the, what I usually do is describe it as a, just like the PGA Tour. There's probably 1% of the planet that could play on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who's 100th on a money list that nobody's ever heard of. And then there's somebody, there's Tiger Woods. Pike Logan, mm-hmm. my main character is Tiger Woods. I'm 100th on a money list. I mean, I served in the same units and that kind of stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm down there and I'm, I'm playing on the tour, but I'm not Tiger Woods. <laughs> I can't even get on the tour, but my golfing sucks. So it's pretty interesting. You'd be a, put an amalgamation together. Tell us about the journey of these books for those who might not be familiar with the series yet. Uh, maybe need to get introduced to to you and your books. Is is this the one book series do you you have? Do you run other series? No, this is. I mean, I never intended to to even be an author. I was writing these books. I, it was kind of a bucket list thing. Mm-hmm. I was in a special mission unit up at Fort Bragg and I was deployed constantly and I took a break. I was teaching down at the Citadel here in Charleston and had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, once, from where I was coming from to coming down here. And it was, I, I was always a voracious reader and I said I was going to write a book. I told my wife, you know, one day I'm going to write a book. And she was like, whatever. <laughs> and I, you know, you Google, how do you write a book? And it says, write what you know. And I wanted to write a story of redemption. That's what I wanted to do. So oh. the theme of redemption is what my, the one rough man, my first book was about, but if I'd have been a police officer, Pike would have been a cop. If I'd have been a priest, Jennifer would have been a nun. Yeah. I happen to be a counter-terrorist guy, special forces guy. So that's what Pike became. There you go. People love these types of books. You know, the James Bondish spy, I don't know what else we can throw in the genre, but uh, you know, the, these types of hero men, why do you think these are so popular with readers? I think it's escapism really. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, even for me when I was in the military. So the Pike works for a unit called a task force, which is an extra legal thing. It operates outside the constitution. And the reason I did that was because I didn't want anybody to say I was writing about units I'd actually served in and just changing uh-huh. the names. So I created something that if you have ever served in that world, you'd go, we don't have that. But we used to wish we did. Yeah. It's very hard to get anything done. You'd be like, boy, we need, if we could just do that. Plus, and the nice so thing is you I don't said, clear with the Pentagon. So there you go. Yeah, I said, well, I'll, I'll make that unit on my own. Put it on the book. 
put it on the book. There you go. So are most of the books, if people haven't started from the beginning, they are they are they standalone where they can jump in and yeah. figure it all yeah, out? Yeah, they're all absolutely standalone. You'll, you'll get enough backstory of what's going on for each individual book. You can jump into any of them. What I usually tell people is the worst thing that'll happen is uh, since they go sequentially, somebody in book 10 may mention something as an inside joke to somebody other character that has nothing to do with the plot. And then when you read book three, you're like, oh, I think I know what's going to happen here just because he talked about it. Yeah, there you go. Now you talk about Putin in this book. Putin's the uh, the bad guy. Did you Were you concerned with making that as a using a current sort of bad guy? Yeah, actually, I uh, when I told my publisher the topic, I, I actually sent him three uh, three risks of this because it's because it is current events. I said, you know, risk yeah. number one: the Ukrainian war ends before the book comes out. Yeah, I said that's a low risk, but it is a risk. Mm-hmm. Risk number two is uh, Sweden factors into this them joining NATO. There's uh, Putin's trying to stop that from happening. There's an assassination plot which kind of gets the mm-hmm. whole thing going. And I said Sweden is probably going to enter NATO before the book comes out. The way things are tracking, I was watching what Turkey was doing in Hungary and all that. They still haven't, but they're close. So yeah. I may beat them. Uh, yeah. Risk number three was somebody takes out Putin. I said, that's absolutely not going to happen. So that's, but that is a risk. Then yeah. Wagner crossed the border and was doing that coup. I was about three chapters from in the book going, what in the hell? This thing's, <laughs> you can't do this right now. <laughs> do so it after it January. So it was you who took down the plane. Yeah. <laughs> See what's up now. Yeah. As long as if you ever visit Russia, you always stay on the ground floor. That's always the Oh, I'm not visiting Russia. This is the second <laughs> time I've used him. He was in Ghost of War oh, really? early on. I expected my publisher to say, you know, that's not legal. Change his name to Uden or something. Because uh, I just used the name and, you know, yeah. they would tell me you've got to change the guy's name. And they never did. I was like, wow. okay, put it out there. I mean, he's a pretty evil dude. I wouldn't want to <laughs> tangle with him. I'll let, I'm not uh, going to Russia. I'll tell you that. I'll let people, yeah, yeah. Just always remember uh, you, the, the, uh, the, the, the bottom apartment, the bottom apartments are right. more expensive than the penthouse in Russia. Yeah, because you'll take a short walk out of a long window. <laughs> <laughs> and don't drink the tea. So there you go. So as you wrote the book, how, how did this flow for your other books? Did it come pretty easy or were there any hangups that you went yeah, through? Yeah, it was this the, there was it was a little bit more difficult. We went to, I always try to get my boots on the ground, do some research for the culture, sight sound smells of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go to Ukraine, but we went to that's a small part of the book anyway. We mm-hmm. I went to Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Estonia, all the cities in between there did the research. The hard part was keeping track of Ukraine and seeing what was going on there because it's even small things that happen on the battlefield will alter something I was doing in the book. Mm-hmm. That was probably the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Is is so? There's just a small part about Ukraine, so it's not set in Ukraine where Pike Logan is is operating. No, because I mean Putin's not in Ukraine. It's about trying yeah. to get him. So yeah. so he's in Russia. Right. So it starts out in Ukraine and then it starts going around all those countries I just mentioned. There you go. There you go. It's it's a tour de force. It's like James Bond just wandering all over the planet. Yeah. And stuff all like these that. set pieces. So I go over to <laughs> take a picture. Look at that church. I'm using it. <laughs> there you go. So how do you develop the dynamics and relationships between the characters that you've developed over recurring characters across multiple books? Yeah, that's actually that is one of the hardest things. You know, you know, when I wrote my first book, I wish I could write a book. And say, you know, I'm going to set this up for two books from now. And five books from now, this will matter. But nobody knows it now. I give 100% to each book. And then whatever mess I created in that book, then I have to deal with it in the next book. And I'm like, (laughs) man, why did I do that? I mean, it worked perfectly for this book, but I really wish I hadn't done that. And the hardest thing is the characters do have to grow. Uh, In One Rough Man, my very first book, like I said, it's a story of redemption. Pike, my main character, 
he's got his moral compass is broken. He's kind of a psychopath, sociopath, I would say, not psychopath. But mm-hmm. and Jennifer is his moral compass. That's got to kind of fix it. I mean, human condition. You graduate from college, you change. You you get married, you change. You have a kid, you change. Everybody grows. It could be a good growth or a bad growth, but you're all growing one way or the other. Sure. And so the hardest thing is making sure that character arc still goes so that Pike is not the same. It's not the same guy every single book. He's changed. I mean, you can just stay a psychopath and just get really better at it. <laughs> yeah. At least still has some tendencies. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. We call that Fridays around here. So there you go. Any themes or messages you're trying to give to readers that they'll take? No, I with? guess the one thing I'd want them to do is just, you know, when I get emails saying, thanks a lot, I didn't get any sleep last night. That's, <laughs> you know, music in my ears. Perfect. I don't really, I mean, I definitely stay away from politics. This is my 18th book. I've had presidential administrations throughout the whole thing. I've yeah. never once said what party they belong to. Oh. I'm mainly because I'm a reader before I'm a writer and I can't stand it when yeah. I'm reading a book, whether it's left or right. And somebody starts throwing their political views yeah. at me. I'm like, all right, I'm sick of that. I, I can yeah. see that on TV every 15 seconds. I don't need to read a book for that. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's so true. <laughs> I don't have any, I, I do yeah. try to adhere to or, or be realistic on what's going on in current affairs and mm-hmm. uh, what the world state of the world is. And a lot of, I guess the only theme that would be, would be, you know, too often in Hollywood, the good guy ends up and it's uh, when the curtain drops, everything's perfectly fine. And that's, that's not how combat operates. Combat's a moral quagmire. Yeah. And you may want to be the good guy the whole time, but you're going to make decisions. Sometimes the decisions are going to go right. And sometimes they're going to go wrong and you're mm-hmm. going to live with that. You didn't do it on purpose, but you're going to live with that. You don't always make the right decision. Yeah. Whereas in what we call Fridays around here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in the movies, you know, if he just, these bureaucrats would get off my back and let me put this drill bit through this guy's knee I'd save the world. It didn't work that way. Yeah. It's, it's a moral you know, ambiguities all over the place. And I try to show that on the page. Yeah. I mean, what was the, I think there was a story. It was during the Clinton administration where they had the car that Osama bin Laden was in. I think that was it. And they had, they had a drone on it and they were fighting with the lawyers to let them push the button to take out yeah. the car. I th- believe that was the Osama bin Laden. And, and the lawyers shot it down and initially shut down. So kind of an example of how, you know, the the whole different things of operations can go and, and stuff in, 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 a, in a war. And you think of how, you know, how that, what's the right word, that, that you know, that ex- went, went to the next level, of course. You know, you, you see, in our history of Americanism, Americanism is, is, is rife with that. You know, you, you can, we, you know, at one point, the, the Castro wanted to bind with us. We were like, no, nah, we already got our man in Cuba. And so yeah. we sent him off to the Russians and, you know, here we are today. You know, there's all sorts of different examples of that. But you're right, war is hell. And, and sometimes there's no good decisions except, I guess, one that has the less amount of or tries to be the closest to the right, maybe. Yeah, you just do the best you can. You make the decisions. And even on the, at the tactical level, you're making decisions where guys' lives are on their line and, mm-hmm. and you make the best decision you can. But they don't always turn out right. There and you go. you're going to be haunted. I mean, you'll live with that for the rest of your life. And I try to show that on the page. I mean, Pike's a human being. He's mm-hmm. uh, a superhuman being mm. as far as as the skill sets he's got but i mean he still makes mistakes he's still trying to do the right thing there you go i got, I got a political question for you that might get you in trouble here of all the pike logan novels you've written do you have a personal favorite you mean i want to uh, that's like asking my pick my favorite kid <laughs> i would say probably it would either be end of days or all necessary force oh really yeah and what not all force. no fortunate son see i can't even pick uh-huh 
So why, why, why were those your favorites? No Fortune Son, I kind of went off, uh, I didn't have any world-ending thing. It's more of a personal story. It's a kind of a hostage story, hostage rescue story, mm-hmm. where they, a bunch of people get taken and Pike's trying to get them back type thing. And it's much more personal for him. And there wasn't a, I mean, there's a little bit of a grand thing. Actually, when I wrote that book, I was doing two books a year at that time. Mm-hmm. And I told my publisher, I said, look, there's only so many times Pike can save the damn world. So you're going to have to let me branch out here and do something different. Huh? And I went to Ireland, Brussels, Paris, a couple other places for research on that, England. And it was a much more personal story. And it's, it's pretty good. There you go. So it could get close to home and stuff. Do you do, you do that much where you, you take some of your experiences or like, you know, I don't know, your, your personal take on experiences you might have had through your career and put them in the book? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing in the books that I've actually physically done as a set piece, but you can't mm-hmm. help but use your experiences when you're writing a book. I mean, when yeah. I write about gunfights or when I write about strategic decision making, I mean, I wasn't involved in decision making, but I was in the back of the room in the you know cheap seats listening. Yeah, and it's you know if you're going to write a story about riding a bike, what, what would you think of? What's what's it like to ride a bike? Yeah, there and that's go. how you'd ride it. So when I write my scenes, I can't help but think about you know what was this like when I did A or B. Mm-hmm. So your military experience, and, and I find a lot of gentlemen from your genre that we've had on the show, I mean, they have either military experience or intelligence experience through the U.S. government, and and it just makes their stories richer, I think. Yeah, so I mean, you, when you get to granular detail of what's, what it's like to, you know, be in that situation, if you can accurately describe it, it's not saying that people who haven't don't have military experience cannot write, I mean... Mm-hmm one of the greatest war novels ever written was red badge of courage. And that guy hadn't served a day. So, I mean, there's plenty of, you know, it's, yeah. it just helps me personally. There you go. I think the guy who wrote hunt for red October had never been on a submarine. No, that's true. <laughs> Tom Clancy. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny when I heard it. I'm like, what? Okay. All right. There you go. So what about you? What was your writing routine that you have? A lot of people listen that are either authors or people who want to write. What sort of writing routine do you use on a, like maybe a daily or weekly basis or consistent basis that helps you, you know, get through putting out these novels at this effect? Yeah, basically I I have a mantra, which is if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute (laughs) and then I'm done with it. So, no, I, I actually don't have a real writing system. I write wherever I am. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, people usually, when they ask you the question, when do you write or how do you write, what mm-hmm. they really mean is when do you type? Yeah. When do you put something on the page? Because yeah. I'm always writing. I have a journal I carry around with you everywhere I go. I wrote mm-hmm. my first book. Of course, you know, you have a whole life to write your first book. You don't know it's going anywhere. Yeah. But I wrote it at gymnastics meets and volleyball tournaments with my kids. I wrote it on airplanes. I wrote it uh, wherever I was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to you right now on a MacBook. That's what I type on. I don't have a writing desk. I always get asked, what's on your writing desk? Like, I guess authors have a writing desk with all kinds of unique stuff on it. Yeah. I don't have one. I wow. write wherever I am. I'll yeah. pack my MacBook and on my back and get on my bike and ride out to the marsh or ride out to wherever I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. If I need Wi-Fi, then I'll go somewhere it has got Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I will go... I tried doing, because I've never had any instruction about being a writer. I've never taken any classes on writing. I don't know anything about it. And so I, you know, you Google, how do you be a writer? You're just supposed to get out X number of words a day. And so yeah. I tried doing that on my second and third book. And I ended up hating it. Because if you, if I, I find if I force myself to pump something out, eventually I'm not going to like it and I'm going to delete it all. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned to trust myself where if I don't have anything to write, then I just don't write. And mm-hmm. then when it comes to me, I'll then type my record. I did 8,000 words a day for four days. Oh, wow. But that was 
you know, deadlines will do that to you. But I had, didn't have anything, you know, I just, it wasn't in my head yet. Yeah. And so I'm still continually writing. I'm just not typing. And then mm. when it comes time to type, I'll just type. I love that idea. I, I need to do that more. I've been having problems getting my second book moving because I'm just for a business book. I'm just, I'm just stuck. And there's too many distractions here, really, actually, in the in my writing yeah. desk. I do have. That's office. true here too. I, yeah. There's a, plenty of times when I should be writing and I'm distracted by something yeah. going on. But and you know, you don't have to be distracted, but mm-hmm. you find yourself you want to be distracted. Let me get away from this and go look at my gun. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, your my first book was easy because it was all stories of my life. Like you mentioned, you know, you can write the first one easy. And then I blew that out and I, I don't have any more stories. I need <laughs> to get a life probably. But no, I like the idea of going someplace else with with your with your writing device and uh, using some of the inspiration and freedom of that because then you're kind of you can maybe maybe a little bit more focused. Yeah, and there's a lot of places. I mean, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, so there's mm-hmm. plenty of places uh, that still has free Wi-Fi. I you know, stream I can always go to my phone. Because you still have to have research capability. But, uh, I mean, I've gone down to, you know, Waterfront Park, which is where all the ferries come in. I've gone to I've gone to public libraries. I used to type to call the Charleston Library. I've typed just about anywhere. There you go. Now, have you sent the book off to the Kremlin to see if Putin wants to put a byline or a recommendation on the back, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping he doesn't read it. I'm certainly not ever setting setting foot inside Russia. I'll tell you that. I wouldn't touch the book if it came back in the mail. That's for sure. (laughs) I've heard of all sorts of different things they can do where, you know, you get poisoned from tactile or whatever. It's like you pull out of the thing and it's just dripping, you know, Novacek or whatever the hell that crap is. You pull it out, you turn the lights off and it's glowing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is also Fridays around here. So uh, this has been really interesting. Any future projects that you're working on? Is there any 19? Yeah, uh, I'm working on 19 right now. In fact, uh, about a month ago, we got back from India uh, Mm -hmm. doing on the ground research in India and I'm writing that one right now. There you go. So they're just going to keep pumping out and uh, people can keep following them and your fan base and people love your books. So it's awesome. Yeah, hopefully. There you go. Hopefully I won't have a brain drain when I sit there and go, I got nothing left. <laughs> I got nothing left. You've done great so far. Do you ever have uh, a lot of novels I have on the on the show that have series like yours, they they find that sometimes the readers know more about their characters than they do. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and oh, yeah. give you some I, insight? I, I wish there's some, I know some writers who have what they call their book and it's this huge book with everything that's ever happened in any of their series. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd have done that. I never did. So, oh, I was just mentioning No Fortunate Son. So in No Fortunate mm-hmm. Son, Kurt Hale's a commander of the task force where they work and uh, he's a geographic bachelor and that's part of the plot. And so he's got mm-hmm. Pike doing this stuff. I wrote it and then I get an email. What happened to Kurt's wife? What? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? So I go back to all my books, and there's one line in one book, the very first book, and all he, Kurt says is, I can't miss tonight. I've got a date night with my wife, and he leaves a room. <laughs> I had completely forgotten. So then I'm typing, you know, she was taking cookies to an orphanage. She got hit by a car. You know, I, I had completely forgotten that a line was even in there. Yeah. It's amazing what fans pick up on. Like they'll pick Oh, there's up another one. I had a calico cat, which I'm not a big cat lover we had this stray cat we kept and so i put his cat into the book our cat's female and mm-hmm. i made their pike's cats males calico cat though because i know how they act and all that yeah. it turns out there's no such thing as a male calico cat really i never knew that i get emails from everybody there's no such thing as a male calico so i google it i'm like sure shooting they're right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just write it back and be like it's fiction people <laughs> <laughs> it's poetic license i do what i want that's what i always tell people when i 
misspell everything on Facebook. So there you go. It's been wonderful to have you on the show, Brad. Give us uh, the audience a final pitch out to pick up your book wherever fine books are sold. Yeah, you can get them wherever they're sold. You can go to bradtaylorbooks.com and there's an excerpt of all my books, not just this book. You can get a flavor of the writing. There's an excerpt for each book I've written. There you go. Thank you very much for coming on, Brad. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. And please come back for book number 19 and all I the other ones will. too. Dead Man's Hand, a Pike Logan novel, uh, number 18 of 18. Check it out. It's available January 23rd, 2024. You can pre-order it now and uh, give it to all your friends. Order some extra copies there. Thanks for our audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, Chris Voss, one of the TikTok ideas, and Chris Voss, Facebook.com. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.